Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, a look back at the top tech stories and advances in 2020. First, CNET editor Ian Schur. Social media was under fire in 2020, first because of the presidential race, as far-right groups like QAnon manifest its ideology online and into American politics. Then President Trump took on Facebook, Twitter, and other big tech companies. President accused social media of trying to silence conservative voices. He also went after TikTok because of its ties to China. We may be banning TikTok. Governments also started antitrust cases against big tech. We will not allow any company to think that they are too big to fail. Tech also got involved in the battle against COVID-19. Apple and Google developed a tool that would let you know if you were ever in contact with somebody who tested positive. Technology was also a lifesaver in the midst of the pandemic. It's how we work. There's a little lesson on how to use Zoom. And went to school. Thank you for reading with me today. And socialized. It felt like a real like date, like even though we were on FaceTime. And we can't forget SpaceX, which helped power America's first astronaut launch in nearly a decade. Liftoff. Ian Schur, CNET News. We also talked to author David Weinberger about Harvard Business Review's Year in Business and Technology 2021. It's a collection of insights from the past year designed to help business leaders prepare for success in the future. Weinberger says besides the pandemic-related innovation we saw in online communications over the past year, what really stood out most to him were all the advances in machine learning. If you have a mobile phone, then you are using machine learning every day. I'm just not aware of it because there's no need to be. But if you are consulting a weather report or getting a route from a mapping system or you are using the dreaded autocorrect and autofill, then you're very likely using machine learning. It's, that's what's behind all of this. What's different about machine learning and why it's able to do things that we weren't able to do before and do some things much better is that unlike uh, normal programming that we're all used to, uh, with normal programming, you have to tell the system exactly how the domain you're interested in works. So if you want to do a weather report, you have to tell it, here's how uh, the dampness of air and the speed of air, et cetera, et cetera, affects the weather. And if you are doing traffic routing, well, that gets really, really hard because the, the laws aren't nearly as clear about traffic jams and, and the rest of it. With machine learning, you do not tell it anything that we know about how the world works. You give it data, lots and lots and lots and lots of data, and it finds patterns that enable it to make predictions that are more accurate than we can when we are doing it the traditional way. And so machine learning has this, this amazing power because because the world happens to have regularities in it that are sometimes so subtle that we can't notice them. They show up in the data, but we didn't, we didn't see them. And sometimes we can't see them because machine learning operates on so much data at such fine levels of detail that we sometimes, in, fra- in fact, with some frequency, we can't figure out exactly how it's coming up with its results. So why is it that you say that it presents us with ethical and moral challenges that we didn't face before? Uh, So I'm very enthusiastic about machine learning. It presents ethical challenges primarily because 
when it's going through all of this data and analyzing it, and we're talking it can be millions and millions of pieces, pieces of data that are interconnected in ways that we would never notice, it frequently cannot tell us exactly how it came up with its results. And when it's working and everything's fine, that's great. If it's uh, doing its traffic routing and weather reports and those are working well, everything's fine. If it's being used, and I think there's there's a good case against using it this way, but if it's being used, for example, to go through job applications to see who should get an interview or college applications or evaluating school teachers and many, many other applications that it is sometimes being used for, making suggestions about what somebody's jail sentence should be or what, where bail should be set. At that point, when we can't tell how it's making its decisions, we need to be very concerned that it's learning from the data the biases that are in the data because the data is representing us and we inevitably live in a society that has biases. And so a machine learning system can, if you're not very careful, reproduce and even amplify the biases in the culture. And there's been a lot of work over the past few years, but a lot this year, on understanding that problem and trying to address it. And that's a really, really important advance for us as machine learning becomes more and more important to our culture. I see. So going back to that point about reviewing job applications, for example, one of the things that was always of concern to me when I was looking for jobs is one of the parts that they always ask you to fill in is like, what was your last salary or what was the salary before that? And then they base what they're going to offer you based on what you made in the past. But maybe in the past, you weren't making enough money and it wasn't really fair. It's just the way that it was. And so if machine learning is looking at that, too, then all it's going to do is just offer you the same amount of money, too, right? It could be used for that. And that could be used in a really pernicious way, which is to figure out, based only on, on the massive amounts of data that it's seen, what is the lowest possible offer it can make to you. And it's conceivable it could be better at it than the the human hiring managers. But it could also learn from the data that women make less than men, because the data shows that. Well, yeah. I hope you all recognize that's really, really unfair. Of course. But but machine learning is learning from data. And so it's going, unless we are aware that it's going to do that, um, we would too easily accept uh, outcomes that are based upon what machine learning has learned from us, which is that women don't advance as far as men. They don't advance as quickly. They don't get paid as much. Um, if it's a managerial job, the machine learning system without care by the developers and others is very likely to learn that women statistically don't get managerial jobs or they get fewer managerial jobs. Because machine learning is learning from data and because that data is going to reflect very likely the biases in the culture, you have to exercise extraordinary care. There are other ways that machine learning can be unfair as well, which is, let's stick with the hiring example. It's just a computer. It doesn't know anything, right? It's, it's, it's just hardware animated by software. And so whoever is designing the machine learning system to evaluate applications has to tell the system exactly what we count as a successful hire. Is it somebody who stays in the job for a long time? Is it somebody who advances quickly? Is it somebody who is a good mentor? Is it somebody who becomes the hub of a, of a lively social network within the company and, and serves as a clearinghouse of information for people, a distributor of information? What is it that we count as a sign of success? Those are really, really hard questions for human beings. 
it's very hard for us to figure that out and to agree upon it. Machine learning, I think this is one of the very good things about machine learning. Machine learning is forcing us to confront those questions head on because otherwise we cannot, we simply cannot tell the system how to make its recommendations, what we count as a successful hire. It's forcing us to confront those questions. And I think that is a very healthy thing for our society. What else about the year 2020, or if you had to summarize the year 2020 in technology, what stands out? What what are the bright lights, if you can think of anything other than the expansion of machine learning and video conferencing, etc.? The obvious answer is the development of COVID vaccines, multiple COVID vaccines within a year is an unbelievable scientific achievement and technical achievement. Very few people expected this to take less than a year. The prior record was four years for developing a vaccine. To find out more about that topic and other insights into the most important technology from 2020, check out Harvard Business Review's Year in Business Technology 2021. And to hear more from David Weinberger, read his book, Everyday Chaos. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>